Hi there, this is Jacob Msipa, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you. Amen. Let's get into the word of God, Bazolane. We are on this glorious year where we have declared that we shall see the glory of the Lord. And um, in this month of February, we are looking at a theme, Destiny Connections destiny connections and we we have already established and declared Barcelona, that there is a future that God has already prepared for you and I Jeremiah uh, puts it this way he says um, uh, God declared and said I know the plans that I have for you plans not to harm you but to prosper you to give you a future and an expected end. And that future, we referred to it last week as a glorious destiny because we believe that we are going somewhere. We are not going to end here and the way that things are. But as much as there is that uh, destiny that awaits us, there are also connections or relationships that God has ordained or established for us that will help to... Um, facilitate or to encourage us along the way because there are many challenges that we meet and God uses people and it's very important for us as Christians therefore to be very much aware of that and to learn how to number one identify these destiny connections and also to cultivate them or to um, make sure that we, 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 we treat them in a proper way because we, we do need them. Because God still wants to be glorified even through our relationships. Amen. Now today, our subject uh, in line with this theme for the month is progressive connections. Progressive connections. Destiny connections must not just exist. We must not just have them but they must be healthy and progressive. Uh, they cannot be progressive unless they are healthy. Um, anything which is unhealthy does not grow. It dies. It does not progress, but it dies. Amen. And when we are talking about progressive uh, uh, connections, we, we're talking about something that is, is, is happening or developing gradually or in stages. Amen. Uh, uh, these progressive uh, uh, connections, they, they, they embrace change and they evolve. Amen? Uh, because sometimes we can have connections or relationships only to find that when it's time to evolve in life or when there are changes in our lives, we, we sometimes lose certain friends. Not because we have to lose them, but because uh, sometimes we fail to make the necessary adjustments so that we can relate at a higher level. And the reality is when there are no adjustments and God realizes that that connection or that relationship is actually threatening um, your, your journey towards your glorious destiny, therefore God will also allow them to die. And I said this um, even last week in Hillcrest, I said, never attempt to resurrect a 
connection or a relationship that God is killing. And here's how things happen in a simple way. When the attack is from outside, it's very simple to know that that is the devil in action. But when the attack is from within, God is your enemy. He is trying to address something that exists and it is hidden so that it can be corrected and sometimes so that that relationship will die. <laughs> Let's process it now. Because sometimes we connect, we relate, and there are many elephants in the room that we choose to. And somewhere down the line, they might create problems, and therefore God will come in and open our eyes and force us to address the elephant in the room. So whenever God is killing a relationship, don't fight for it. Otherwise, it will fight you and destroy you. Isn't it interesting that sometimes we as human beings, as Weak as we are as, I mean, we we just human. We, I don't know how to describe us. Sometimes we attempt to be better than God. Sometimes we think that God in his righteous, holy nature and character, he is unfair. And we decide, God, there's a better way of doing this. I mean, we are, we are human. God can't be wrong. I remember listening to another preacher who meant well, who said, we deserve better. So he was judging God. He was saying the things that you allowed for them to happen, the killings and whatever, even in the Bible. We don't deserve that kind. I was like, wow. The Bible puts it this way. It says, who can counsel God? You and I, we, no matter how intelligent or wise we can be, we, we can never have the kind of wisdom that can qualify us to give God an advice. God does not have our mind, but we have the mind of Christ. He says, my thoughts 
are not your thoughts. And my ways are not your ways. And, and God in his actions, in his words, in his thoughts, he is always accurate. He's always on point. He can never be wrong. No matter what happens in your life, you can never go back and blame God and, and find him guilty. No matter what is it that you are going through and what is going to help us in life as we go through different kinds of challenges. Never find yourself in a place where you will want to attempt to blame God for whatever it is that is happening in your life, good or bad. If you don't believe me, go in and study the story of Job. You will realize how at some point he was praised even by the friends saying, dude, you are the best thing that has ever happened. You are the righteous. And the Bible also says so in the beginning. It says he was the most righteous person. And yet God allowed the devil to come and interfere. And when he was tempted in his heart, small, 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 he was at some point listening to his friends and thinking, yeah, maybe they, and God stepped in and said, let's have a conversation because I realize that maybe you think there's some element of righteousness in you. And God began to engage him just to show him how even his righteousness was not from himself. And he even engaged him to a point of saying, if you think maybe when you are the best thing that has ever happened, who commands the sun to rise up in the morning? Who tells the ocean to stop here? And, and all of a sudden you realize that, hey, I'm not there. Because, you know, that's how we are. We, 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 we become involved in the things of God, the things that God has given to us. Things that he has blessed us with, relationships, cars, houses, and whatever. And once those things are tempered with, God looks at our attitude. Let me see if you think you received those things because you deserve them or you received them by grace. Grace is unmerited favor. In other words, God decided to give it to me not because of my goodness. But God made an independent decision to say, I'm going to bless you. And all that we can do is to receive it with gratitude. So that's why the attitude of Job in the beginning when all hell broke loose in his life, his attitude in the beginning was, Naked I came, and naked I will return. Amen. That was his attitude to say, I don't even have to cry or complain about anything that I have lost at this moment because I did not come with any of these things. I received them here. God gave them to me. So if I lose them for whatever reason, Alibong Kamalinkos. <laughs> That's why his wife said, cast this cord and die. And he said, no, I know my redeemer lives. That was his attitude. So no matter what it is that we are going through, continue thanking God, focus. Because, I mean, because you've done anything wrong, but just for control, because he's God. Remember, the Bible says he can do anything. So that's why I don't want to try and, and, and tempt him to do anything 
I just want to try and be this nice and look the other way all the time. And because this thing can be prolonged. So I'm too quick to say, no, it's fine. It's okay. Let's soldier on. Uh, you know, just for five minutes, I'm upset. After that, I snap out of it. I'm like, God, it's fine. Everything, it is well with my soul. So that I can get out of that situation as soon as possible. But if I want to try and take him on. And say, how can you allow this to happen? He says, oh, you don't understand yet. Let's just take it another year. Until you get the idea. He, 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 he. Progressive connections, brothers and sisters, they are built. One brick at a time. They don't just happen. They don't fall from the sky. They are not an accident. Or a coincidence for that matter. If you want to have healthy progressive connections in your life, relationships in your life, you must be prepared to build them. One brick at a time. To build simply means to establish or develop something over a period of time. So, the greatest thing that God can ever do for you is to grant you the grace and patience to build progressive destiny connections. If God can just give you that ability to be able to realize that I've met this person I'm supposed to be their friend. I'm supposed to be their spouse. I'm supposed to be their colleague. I'm supposed to be their business partner. God, grant me the grace to be able to go through the process of building this relationship. Grant me the patience because it's going to take time. Progressive relationships and healthy relationships, they don't just happen overnight. You are not just going to meet a person today and then tomorrow you are the best friends. You can do, you know, this and that for one another. No, it takes time. So if you don't have the patience, you are going to walk out of relationships because sometimes you find that you connect pe with people who are still rough around the edges and you have got to exercise patience, give them Sometimes, because let's also be honest, we are, not, we are not perfect. We also need patience in certain areas of our lives. And we are expecting our friends, our spouses, our colleagues our, to be patient with us so that we can also grow, we can develop, we can mature. And when we are doing so, then the relationship or the connection, therefore, also, you know, uh, progresses, it develops, it grows, it matures, and it becomes better and better. Have you, have you ever maybe observed two people, maybe a couple, maybe friends, and you can tell that their relationship, man, it is, it is a blessing. You can tell that these two people are, are happy and you so much wish that you can have the same relationship. But the problem is that we might want to take a shortcut. We might want to take a shortcut. You might want to meet your Martin in night and shining armor today and then tomorrow you like yeah so now this is it no they are built 
It's a process. You start somewhere. Uh, it does not matter which couple you saw on TV and you admire them. They started somewhere. It, their relationship, that kind of marriage was never an accident. It did not fall from the sky. It did not start like that. It started somewhere and it was built by two committed people, two intentional people who decided that let us work on this thing because both of us, we value it and we want to see it become something that is going to be beneficial for the both of us. Are we here, Bazalwan? Now, if these relationships are supposed to be built, then they are supposed to be built on a good foundation, a good and a strong foundation. That good and strong foundation must be laid. If you want to build something that is going to last long, that is going to be strong, you better take time to lay a solid foundation. Because whatever kind of connection or relationship that you, are, you can ever have, it is going to be tested one day. It is going to go through serious challenges. It is going to go through seasons. And if the foundation is not so strong, that's why even in, in, in marriage, it's very important to lay a strong and a solid don't just rush to be, you know, happily ever after you want the bliss and everything and you neglect this important key stage of establishing a solid foundation. Because it does not matter how good your marriage or your relationship is going to look on the outside. But if the foundation is not intact, because if we started, both of us were working. Both of us, we were earning well. We could buy anything that we wanted. At some point, something is going to tamper with your finances. And if there was a crack in the foundation, or if the foundation is not, was not so strong, mm -hmm, all of a sudden, that bubble that you were living in is popped. Reality kicks in. What kind of a foundation did you lay for your relationship? So we have got to make sure that we lay a solid foundation. Listen to what the Bible says concerning foundations. Psalm 11 verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And I love this scripture so much, not just for the purposes of the principle of laying a foundation, but it, it, it draws another picture. It says it does not matter how righteous you are. It does not matter how much in tongues you can pray. It does not matter whether you are giving your, your tithes and offerings consistently each and every month. It does not matter whether you come to church every Sunday. If you neglect the basic principles of life, if you ignore these foundations, if you neglect them, if you destroy them, if you say, I don't have to go through this. I want the results here and now. Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. <laughs> How many of you know that when God, when you're asking God for patience, he gives you a situation that is going to teach you patience? If you're asking for wisdom, he gives you complicated 
life situations that you have to deal with and make wise decisions just to teach you wisdom. He, he, he. So if you think it's just going to drop down and be downloaded like software and tomorrow you are able to function like an app, forget about it. It's a process. He has got to code you from the beginning. He has got to write a specific code for you. The way that you are wired with your situation. And he knows what situations he can use that can get to you. So if, if we do not lay a strong and a solid foundation for our relationships, they will not be progressive. Because if they do, or even if they do, everything at some point is going to come down crumbling. It is just going to be destroyed in a very painful way and we might be affected along the way. Jesus tells of this beautiful um, story. He says, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, in other words, if we get advice and counsel from Jesus and we go and we apply it, he says, I will show you whom he is like. He says, he is like a man, he says, building a house who dug deep, he says, and laid the foundation on the rock. So in other words, if you listen, you take advice, you hear what Jesus says, you take his, his sayings, you take his word, you take the principles that he is teaching and you apply them. He says, it will be like you are taking time. You are not rushing to get the final product. You are saying, let me just work on the foundation. Others are, you know, walking past me. They are running past me. They are, things are happening in their lives. But let me just, because I don't know where they are with God. I don't know what they have learned. I cannot compete with them. You know, Bazalani, what bothers me these days more than anything else, it is the spirit of competition in the body of Christ. And not just church members only, even pastors. There's a high level of competition which is unnecessary and uncalled for. People are comparing themselves with others. We leave our own races, we, we get out of our own um, lane and we are competing with the next. You don't know, you, you don't know. You, you don't know where they come from, how much did God work in them, where they are in life. Don't, don't look at them. You will get there. Each and every lane has its own price. We are not running for one price. You are running for your price. It has already been given, already been established. There's no need to rush and to compete and to think that if God gives it to Yvonne, it means I have lost. No, you have your own price. You have your own blessing. You have your own success. You have your own job. You have your own promotion. You have your own anointing. You have your own marriage. You have your own wife. You have your own husband. Don't, do not even... You, <laughs> That's why we end up, especially we are guilty of this as pastors, we end up neglecting the vision, the assignment that God has given you as a pastor simply because you want to outdo the next church. You want to outdo the, the next pastor. If my friend is doing this, I'm also going to do it. If they are doing that, oh, they have a concert in their church, I'm also going to have a Why are you having a concert? Did God tell you to have a concert? Why? Ah, oh, no, you know, time, the, the, but the biological clock is ticking. 
I have to get, ooh, ooh, do you have the clock? Have you seen it? Have you seen it? Have you seen it? How, how sure are you that it is ticking? Maybe God stopped it. How do you know? Maybe God stopped it. He's patiently waiting for you to mature in certain areas. It's not even ticking for that matter. So why are you, why do you have to distress yourself? You are not losing anything. Even if you can go to heaven without having a husband, you have not lost anything. You've lived your life. You've lived your life. There's a destiny you are still going to fulfill. Many, you can't build dreams around someone else. In other words, until you get married, you are not going to fulfill any dream, any vision in your life. You are just going to be waiting forever. Jesus will return. He will find you bored. <laughs> and you can't tell him, Jesus, I'm still waiting for a husband. So he says, he laid the foundation on the rock and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it for it was founded on the rock. It was founded on the rock. Solid, strong, you are sure that this relationship, we can go through whatever. Look, don't be deceived. Sometimes as friends, as you know, girlfriend and boyfriend, husband and wife, hey, we deceive each other. We tell each other things just to make each other feel good. And we don't really mean them. But when the real test comes, and underline, Jesus does not say if. He does not say if. He does not say if. If he says, and when. So, in other words, he's saying, guaranteed, the storm will come. It will come. And when it comes, it better find your. Take time to trust the words that people say to you. Azalan, I've been a pastor for now this year, it's going to be 20 years. I've been around, I've seen people who will say, Fundis, we are with you. My blood is blue. I am a builder forever. <laughs> this time the Lord spoke to me. I am not going anywhere. Ha! Lau pupa corner. <laughs> Before you can say builder forever, the person has changed their mind. In fact, the Lord has changed his mind. That's what they say. Listen, God gives us a good advice in the book of Jeremiah. He says, cast is a man who puts his trust in another man. Do you know that the Bible tells us in the book of Job that God does not even trust his angels? He learned his lesson. They betrayed him, left with Satan. Don't be too quick. Don't be naive. The Bible says, test every spirit, not some of them, everyone, even the one that comes from the person you trust. He looks cute. It does not mean the words that he's saying are cute. 
Ah, he's a great guy. It does not mean that the words that, are, that he is saying are great. It does not mean that the words that she is saying are great. Take time to just simply see that. Can I build on this foundation? Can I build on, can I get to a place first where I am sure of the foundation? What, what test did this relationship go through that I can be rest assured that no matter what comes, we are going to stand? Amen? We don't want to start relationships so that they can end tomorrow. That's not what we want to do. Be it friendships. Be it that one person. I always say this to people, and, and I've learned this uh, even in the ministry, because in the ministry as a pastor, you have guest speakers, you invite them. And, and it took me time to learn that the fact that you have preached for a person, it does not mean they are your friend. <laughs> the fact that a person came to preach for you and said all of those things when they stood behind this thing, because standing here... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if you've ever had the privilege of standing here. It, it feels like you can say all the nice things, all the right things. You can overpromise. You can say, ah, you know, man of God, I love you so much, man. I'm committed to you. I'm committed to this. That's why I don't just invite anyone. If you've noticed, I'm not fascinated by just inviting any speaker simply because they are popular. I'm very particular when it comes to relationships. I, I don't want you to, the only time we ever spoke was when we were organizing your speaking engagement. Then after that, there was dead silence. No. I'm this type of a pastor. Ne? I'm sorry, Bazalone, but I'm just making examples. I know you are not all pastors, but I'm just giving you an idea of how you can use it in your context. I'm this kind of a pastor. If you invite me to come and preach in your church, and I go and I preach, and that will be the last time you speak to me, the next time you will be speaking to me, it is when you want me to come and preach again. I'm not coming. Because it means you care less about me, you care more about my gift. You are dangerous. I cannot count on you. In other words, my life is not safe in your hands, only my gift. And unfortunately, I am that gift. If you, if you are overlooking me, you, all that you are interested in is my gift. No. Find another one. I'm very relational. I easily connect with the heart. So I don't want to open up to just anyone. When I commit, I commit. So I don't want to be hurt. Because let's be honest. It's painful when relationships end. It's inconveniencing. It's, it, it just turns your world upside down. I always tell people, I'm at the age now where, you know, oh, most of my friends, they are uncles to my children. Right? So when they say, uncle so-and-so, uncle so-and-so, I don't want two things to happen. I don't want my children to ask me, what happened to uncle so-and-so? I don't want to, you know, have to explain and come back and say, it's because one, two, three, and four. But I want consistency. Because as soon as, so Tina, we, you meet a person today, 
Tomorrow he's at your place. He's, he's opening fridges. He's doing all of those things. Uh, and they have access to do whatever that they want. You borrow them your car. Uh, I, uh, here is the golden principle uh, I have. <laughs> here is the golden pr principle I have. Do not borrow anyone your car that when they bump it, you are not going to talk to them ever again. If they come back with keys and they are giving you, and they are saying, I'll, I'll explain when I come. <laughs> So if our relationship is not there, don't take it there. That's why I always say, don't borrow anyone money that when they, will, they, are, when they are not paying you back, you are going to have a problem. In fact, you shouldn't be borrowing your friend's money. You should be giving them money. I hope those are not recipients. Not only are we supposed to lay, <laughs> not only are we supposed to lay, I need to, I'm left with a few minutes. Not only are we supposed to lay a, a strong and a solid foundation, we're supposed to use the correct material as we build those, as we build those relationships. Don't move away from the key principles you have laid. Build upon them, but also build right, using the right method, the right material, the right tools. The Bible puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. He says, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. In other words, we must be careful how we build upon this foundation that we have laid. We must be careful. We must use the proper material, proper method. We, we, we cannot be dodgy. Simply because I said relationships are built and we, 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 we end up, you know, just manipulating just to get our way from that relationship. That's an ungodly thing to do. Now, let's look at this foundation that we are talking about of progressive relationships that I am saying or suggesting that we must build upon because there is that foundation and we must be very, very careful and wise about it. And here it is, Proverbs 12 and verse 26 says, the righteous should choose his friends carefully. That's the foundation. And why? It says, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. I, Barcelona, I don't, I'm not sure if you noticed who are we talking about? Who is being led astray? Who? So in other words, after the devil, the most powerful thing that can lead you astray is your relationship. Sure. In other words, all that the devil has to do is just to wait for you to have a wrong relationship and he looks the other way. And he knows, I'm done, mission accomplished. Because he knows that there is nothing as 
powerful that can influence you. You will see what I'm going to preach about next week. There's nothing as powerful that can influence you in your life than the friendship you have, the relationship you have, people you spend time with. We think when the Bible says bad company, corrupt character, good character, you can, you can be the best person when you're on your own one-on-one king. But the company you keep, Because there in that relationship, have you ever, I always ask you this question, have you ever spent time with your friend? And when you walk away and you're at home, hey, the mannerisms. Now you, you talk like him. Now you act like him. You almost at the moment, you like, hey, why am I now? Because you can sense that you walked away with some form of impartation. You begin to no longer now independently say or, or, or do things, you are somehow being influenced. That's why the Bible says the foundation upon which we need to build relationships, it is to make sure that we become very careful and wise about who do we choose to connect with. Because it's not just a relationship, it's a connection. It's a connection. It's a connection. There's going to be some flow of influence from one to the other. So the question is, you need to look at this person and say to yourself, do I want any of his philosophies and thoughts in my life? The righteous should, the Bible says, choose his friends carefully. It, it does not say don't talk to people. It's just that those that you will decide to befriend, be careful. Because it says, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. So in other words, if I can connect with somebody who is, you know, I always say this, there are people who are weak, and then there are people who are wicked. Because you can say to me, so in other words, I must find a perfect uh, friend. No, that's not what I'm saying. Your friend will be weak. He will make mistakes. So he, she will make mistakes. But you should look at the mistake and ask yourself, is this a weakness or wickedness? Did he or she do this because they are weak or because they are wicked? So we must be very careful when it comes to don't just meet a person today. <laughs> it was love at first sight. But <laughs> it take time to know her. Now, I ran into this article while I was preparing this message by Stacia, Stacia Pierce, or something like that. You'll correct me at home, ne? <laughs> Stacia Pierce, who is a life coach, career expert, and a CEO of some company. She came up with 11 secrets to choosing the right friends. I'm just going to go through them quickly. Number one, associate higher. <laughs> Don't just want to have friends who are lower than you. Because you want to be their one. I... Number two, choose friends with similar values. Number three, choose friends with common goals. Number four, choose friends who can bring balance in areas where you are weaker. Number five, choose friends that stretch, motivate, and encourage you. Number six, choose friends that share the same interests. Number seven, choose friends that have a thirst for knowledge. 
<laughs> Ten years ago, you were thinking like this. Even today, you are still thinking the same way. Number eight, choose friends who you can be purpose partners with. Number nine, choose friends who will celebrate your success. You know, you know when you have achieved something great, you need people who are going to celebrate with you. You don't have to dodge jealousy. You want to celebrate, you want to be happy about your achievement, but yet you can sense that when you are talking about this thing, this person is not happy for you. Number 10, choose friends who are get it people. Number 11, give what you expect to get. Every friendship is a give and take. Uskaba more just to get. What are you bringing? And lastly, as I close, do you need to take a picture? Are you fine? Are you have written down everything? This one. But you can you can find it on the internet. If you just say eleven secrets to choosing the right friends, you will find it there. <laughs> and it's even the article is even more detailed. I just focused on the points. Now, the question is, how can I then build, since the Bible says we need to be careful how we build, how then can I build these progressive relationships in Fundis? Number one, here are mine. These ones are not from an article, they are from me. <laughs> Number one, be a loyal friend. Don't just look for loyal friends. Be a loyal friend. That's how you build. Start by becoming loyal. Proverbs 27 verse 10. Do not forsake your own friend. In other words, don't make it a habit of simply turning against your friends. That's a small thing. So be loyal. Choose to be loyal. Choose to be loyal. Be a loyal friend. Don't betray your friends. Don't gossip about your friends. Don't backstab your friends. Be loyal. Be that kind of a person that when I'm in the room, you are not going to say anything negative about my friend. Me and you, we're not about to discuss my friend in a negative way. If you have nothing good to say about my friend, keep quiet. Because you see, if somebody comes to you, let me, let me teach you how to deal with gossip. If somebody comes to you and tells you about what somebody else said to them about you, before you listen to what they are telling you, ask them, why did you even listen? Because if you are alive to tell a story, it means you did not stop that conversation. You were there, and I'm not actually more concerned about what they said. I'm concerned about what you said when they were saying what they were saying. Because it means it was a two-way conversation. It was not going to continue if you were not interested. Because anyone who can gossip with you they can gossip about you. Seller. <laughs> Number two, be a sincere friend. Be sincere. Don't be a friend who flatters his friends. Job 17 verse 5, he who speaks flattery to his friends, even the eyes of his children will fall, will fail. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Don't just say stuff to impress your friends. Flattery is a very dangerous thing. You see, that's why I'm always skeptical of wanting to 
pressurize people to commend me or to say nice things about me. Because if I come and I say, what did you think about my message? I mean, this is a one-on-one conversation and we are not, you know, so much. I'm pushing Masanabo to say something nice so that it does not hurt my feelings. But only to find that it does not really mean it. So generally, I will say nice things about people I'm not friends with. But if I have a relationship with you and your hair... You know, if, if we are friends and we have... A, um, I need to be able to say, Hey, Masana, I'm not Because there must not be flattery in our friendship. We are friends. I, I must be vulnerable knowing that when you are saying something negative, it, it is to build me up. You are helping me become a better person. They're going to say, I know, you're a lot much. So be, be a sincere friend. Don't just look for sincere friends. Become one so that you can attract sincere friends. If you have a friend, send them a text message and say, please be honest with me. <laughs> be sincere about the things you say. Number three, be a supportive, inspiring, and a teachable friend. Proverbs 27 and verse 17 is iron sharpens iron so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend so support your friend inspire them but most importantly the Bible does not say you are going to sharpen your friends it says as iron sharpens iron so it's a two way street don't want to teach your friends be teachable as well allow them to speak over you don't, don't be that kind of a friend you're the only one who's talking all the time only your views matter, only your opinions. When they are saying something, there's this thing I, I always share with, with, with my wife who we're, we're talking about, you know, just because I have this thing that sometimes when we are having general conversations, allow people to share their thoughts without you, how can I put it, watering them down. Or, because it's not a debate. This person is just simply sharing their view. So you don't have to say, no, I disagree with you. Uh, you know, Mina, this is not, it's not about you. They were just sharing there. It's not like this is a debate competition. They are, this is not a time to counter their thought. Just listen to them, hear them out and say, oh, yeah, no, I hear you. You don't have to say, I agree with you. Just say, no, I hear you. No, you, you know, that's a great thought. I hear you. All, you know, but if you are that kind of a friend that each time your friends are saying, you want to counter immediately. You want to come back. You're like, no, actually, this is not how things are supposed to be. Da, da, da. The next thing that is going to happen, each time you meet your friends, they are just going to keep quiet. And if in your relationships or your connections, you are the only one talking. They are like, this one you are you are just going to come talk 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 when you walk away they'll be like hey the amplified version puts it this way as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens and influences another through discussion easy english translation people learn from each other as one iron tool can make another one sharp so it's about learning from one another People from, in the Persian translation, uh, yes, that, that was the easy translation, sorry. And then number four, be a humble friend. 
Be a humble friend. Proverbs 27 and verse number 5. Open rebuke is better than love. Carefully concealed. Verse number 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. Easy English translation. When a friend is not afraid to warn you that you are wrong, it shows that they really love you. My friends can't correct me unless I'm humble. Humble enough to receive correction. It's not entirely up to them to correct you. I must give them the cue to correct me through humility. I must relax, let my gut down, and give them a sign that you can correct me. Because here's the thing, and this is another thing that, you know, well, I'm sure you'll notice I talk about my wife a lot because we talk a lot, you know. And she always accuses me of, not, not accused, but she always says, but don't leave people to make. I said, no, but if you have not opened a door for me to correct you, why must I set myself up? Because the Bible says, do not correct a scorner. Because they will take that correction and use it against you. After you walk here, who does he think he is coming to tell me uh, what, you know? So, but unless, so if I have a friend, the first thing that I need to do is to humble myself. And sometimes to say to my, you know what? If you see anything in me that is not, please let me know. You can talk to me about anything. You see? So I need to be humble, walk in humility so that I can allow them to speak into my life. Verse number five, be a friendly friend. You can't look for good friends if you are not friendly yourself. If somebody visits you, what type of a host are you? Are you friendly? If somebody befriends you, are you a friendly person? Proverbs 18, 24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Amen. <laughs> a man who has friends must himself be friendly. So be friendly. If, if you're saying, oh, I don't have friends, I don't, the question is, are you friendly? How friendly are you? Oh, you are that dominating friend. That's why people run away from you. You are not friendly at all. You are hostile. You are sharp with words. You tell it like it is. You see, if you tell it like it is, ne, you're going to have few friends. If not none. Be friendly, man. Don't take, don't be too serious. Like I said during the couples, chill. Sometimes we are way too serious. Sometimes we take ourselves too serious. We are like, yeah, you are ready. If somebody says a comment in passing, they did not mean anything big. Or you are like, hey, 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 you can't. No, chill, man. Take a chill pill. Relax. Bopi Pondo. Goba Vela Vela Number six. Be a happy friend. Don't be grumpy. Because Proverbs 22, verse 24 says, Make no friendship with an angry man. 
and with a furious man do not go lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul so this is god now advising other people to say if you are angry they must not become your friends deal with your anger issues get over them so that you can build progressive relationships in other words anger is the enemy of progressive relationships if you realize that the person you are dating has got anger issues the person you are already married to you are now picking up that they have got anger issues find help yesterday because the bible says lest you learn from their ways you can be happy and end up being angry because of this person they will also make you angry because now you are dealing with this grumpy person every day all of a sudden you find yourself grumpy also not because you are a grumpy person but because of your connection number 7 which is the last one let us please stand on our feet be a loving friend Proverbs 17 verse 7 verse 17 a friend loves at all times what does that mean unconditionally at all times they don't take a break they are committed to you they will always love you they'll always be there for you there will never be a time where you feel that cold response and whatever and be that kind of a person always be warm loving towards your friend be happy be happy so that you can create a safe space and environment for your friends if you are happy they are also going to be happy be friendly be humble be supportive inspiring and teachable be sincere be loyal be loyal if you if god has blessed you with a good friend decide i'm going to be loyal to my friend one of the things that i wrote down the vision board i'm not sure how, how far did you go with it where i'm talking about what type of a man do i want to be in as far as friendships are concerned i wrote down i want to be a loyal friend loyal if somebody is my friend i've decided in advance i'm going to be loyal to you no matter what happens on the other side me now on my side i'm going to be loyal to you i'm not going to betray you i'm not going to stab you on the back i'm not going to speak behind you i'm just going to be consistently loyal decide ahead of time because nobody forced you to be a friend of that person right you decided Be loyal to your husband. Be loyal. Be loyal to your wife. If my wife has done something wrong that I did not like, I don't just talk to anyone about it. Why? I want to be a loyal husband to my wife. I'm not going to speak ill of her irrespective of her weaknesses. I also have my own and I'm expecting her to be loyal towards me. You cannot just be talking about so I walk in the room everybody's looking at me and say hmm. <laughs> you you can only talk to those that are also loyal towards me that my my weaknesses my faults 
are safe in their hearts. They are not going to look at me any other way. As a matter of fact, they will try and help me. In other words, when I talk about my husband's weaknesses or my wife's weaknesses, I'm not giving you a weapon to use to attack them. If you are a friend and you are that type of a friend who will jump at an opportunity to find something that you can use against your friend, you are not a true friend. You never regarded that relationship as your divine connection or your destiny connection. You were just passing by because of what you could get at that point. But let us learn, Bazalwane, because even this thing spills over. And the reason why we are teaching about this, it is because even at church, as we come and we join churches, we begin to develop friendships. And as pastors, we have to deal with the issue of, ah, Abbasazwan manj. Because they betrayed each other. And if Abbasazwan, then it spills over to the department. And now it looks like the church is disorganized. No, it's two people who decided to be friends and they continued and they were not loyal to one another. They betrayed each other. They gossiped. You are a Christian. Why are you gossiping? <laughs> Father, thank you for progressive connections and relationships in our lives. This year, we want to glorify you even through our relationships. We don't want to bring shame to you by mishandling our relationships, Lord, because they must reflect your glory. People must just look at how we we relate with them and how we connect with them and how we relate with our spouses and begin, Lord, to just point everything towards you, to say we, we are these kinds of friends simply because we have a true and a living relationship with our God. Father, we, we, we pray that you may give us moral courage. May we be courageous to stand, mighty God, firm on the principles of your word. May we be courageous enough to, to tell those who are speaking ill of our friends, people that we are committed to, to begin to say to them, no, you cannot say that about my friend. You cannot say that about my spouse. You cannot say that about my church. You cannot say that about my leader. You cannot say that about my pastor. You cannot say that, Father, help us to be loyal in the name of Jesus Christ so that we can also become a healthy church, so that we can become a healthy environment, healthy community. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. We honor you. That irrespective of our differences, may we learn to agree to disagree and be mature about it and be Christian about it. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people said, Amen and Amen. Thank you once again for listening to the message today. We trust that you were blessed by it. Please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week. Thank you very much and keep on building.